Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today in the show, we want to talk about anxiety. We uh, talked last week about ADHD and did a deep dive into all things ADHD with Dr. Matt Smith. This week, we've got um, Teresa Davis and Jill Stockberger on with us to talk about anxiety. How do we support our kids when they're wrestling with anxiety? What is anxiety even? And um, we talked about a wide, wide range of topics with them. Um, a bunch of really practical, helpful supports I think are going to be really, um, really great. So uh, that is happening today. We are also uh, now accepting applications for our next round of facilitators. So as many of you know, um, one of our kind of our bread and butter as an organization, so to speak, is um, our parent training courses. And so Cultivate Connection is our parent training um, class that we offer. Um, we offer it, it's peer-to-peer -peer taught, so it's taught by parents, with parents, for parents, um, in, and caregivers in communities. And so um, that's always been kind of the heart of um, these classes, is they're taught by peers in community. And so um, those are those are happening all over the world, literally, but um, they only happen at the hands of our facilitators. And so if you would like to become a Cultivate Connection facilitator and um, kind of be given the charge, given the rights to teach our Cultivate Connection course in your community, we would love to hear from you. You can head to the link in our um, show notes below, or you can head to empoweredtoconnect.org. You can check out our social media at Empowered to Connect on Instagram and Facebook. Um, or just keep on listening. We'll reference this again as uh, those applications are open. So um, you can head to those links today and apply if you would like to become a Cultivate Connection facilitator. And we would be honored for you to apply. Um, it is a fairly um, selective process for lots of different factors that we don't have the time to go into right now. And so um, we do ask that you apply early so we can um, have the adequate amount of time to um, go through the interview process with you. That's all for now. Here we go with Teresa Davis and Jill Sockberger talking about anxiety. Okay, well, we're back again today. Um, and today we've got Jill Stockberger and Teresa Davis with us. And we're going to talk, um, well, Antana is here also, obviously. Um, we're going to talk about something that I think is probably Tana, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, probably become one of the biggest like hot button topics amongst parents over the last like two years. And that, that is anxiety. Um, there are lots of us who are talking or listening today on the podcast who, um, who wrestle with anxiety, whether, um, whether in your home as you're caring for somebody in your home who, um, struggles with it or somebody that deals with it yourself. And so, um, we felt like it was a great time to have, uh, Jill and Teresa on, who are two of our therapists at Memphis Family Connection Center. And they're going to just talk with us about anxiety. So, um, thank you guys. And we were talking before we recorded about the anxiety produced by being podcast guests. And so it is, Kind and courageous of y'all to come on today um, and battle your own anxiety to be with us. Um, so thanks for being here. And I, I think maybe the best first place for us to start would just be, could we just talk about what what falls in that bucket? Like what is anxiety? Um, and if there's anything that we can say that like, here's what's going on in the brain with anxiety, but why don't we start there? Teresa, you want to take the first part? Sure. So I'll just kind of give a brief general, like what is anxiety? 
So usually anxiety happens when we feel or we perceive that we are in danger or a situation, you know, is something that we should be afraid of. And I like to tell parents when we're talking about anxiety, like those physical symptoms usually pop up first. So like our stomach hurts. Um, I feel like I need to use the bathroom. I need to throw up. Like things like that are kind of what we see. We get red, we start sweating. Um, That can give us a good indication that, you know, maybe we're feeling a little anxiety happening. Yeah. And Jill, would you say that that's, does that fall within certain age groups differently? Or or do you see that in young kids and teens and adults too? I think young kids, teens and adults, I think we can all go back to that basis where our heart will notice our heart starts beating faster and our breath starts getting more shallow, right? Um, We can't breathe deeply. I think across the board, that's that initial indicator. And then there's the manifestation of all those um, other physical symptoms that Teresa was talking about. And oftentimes it's these anticipatory feelings, even prior to that moment or Mm. circumstance or larger than the feelings we might have in that moment. Hmm. Tana, would you say, I mean, as as a parent, and I would say that you've been parenting longer than I have. And so you've, you've gotten a few more phases that I haven't been through yet parenting. Um, I mean, without sharing your own kids stories, like, is this something that you found as a parent peer with other parents? Like this is something that um, presents physically a lot of times first. And, and, you know, how, how have you found that to be true? Um, I think anxiety is a, is an interesting one up in the Ottinger house. There's a lot of us up in here. I've shared that before. And so how anxiety shows itself is so different for every single one of us, I think. And so I do think that sometimes it shows up in the physical things. So as a mom, I'm just putting on my glasses of curiosity, even as I think about myself, like I I feel like I feel anxiety one way and one of my other kiddos or Mo or somebody is going to maybe feel it differently or show it to us differently. So I feel like it's about being curious, but the physical connection to anxiety is like a real deal. I mean, think about that. Like if you've ever had to public speak or go up and do something and you might not be hungry that morning and all of a sudden your stomach doesn't feel so good, or maybe you're clenching your jaw or your hands start getting sweaty or you feel lightheaded. I mean, our body holds that. How, how drastic or how minor or whatever, like gauge of words you want to use. I think it's just dependent on situation and disposition. That's my personal experience with that. So it's about knowing my kids. So one question I would ask to to both of you, Jill and Teresa, as a follow-up to that, like um, I'm a parent, I'm starting to notice that um, X, Y, or Z child is having uh, stomach aches, headaches, or, you know, yeah. racing heart, whatever, at around specific events or times, but I don't yeah. want to spook them and... Mm-hmm you know, you know, I'm using air quotes, like accuse them of being anxious. Do you, do you guys have advice for kind of what are, what are some ways to wade into those waters with your kids and and begin the conversation with them about what they might be feeling nerves about? I mean, I can give one example while y'all are thinking about it. I had a little, one of our peanuts bites their nails and we were working on it 
and the nails were coming, getting shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. And they said something about it and about doing it at school. And I said, I wonder if you might be feeling something. Mm-hmm. And then the big crocodile tears showed up in the eyes and then the tears start coming and the words aren't there yet. And I'm like, are you feeling nervous or anxious about something? And then a story came and there was like the fear of being called on Mm -hmm. to share about this specific thing in a, in a class that they didn't feel super comfortable in. And so that's that physical cueing Mm -hmm. about like, we'd been really they had set a goal of like trying to not bite their fingernails and then they were. So I think that's the like paying attention to. Okay, Tracy, you had something you wanted to say. All right. Well, it really lines up with what you were saying. I like to approach the situation with curiosity. Like, hey, I noticed that before school starts, you seem like your stomach seems to hurt. Like, let's talk about that. So kind of opening up that conversation because um, we don't want to say like, oh, I think you're anxious about this because maybe that's not what's going on, but just opening up the floor for us to have a conversation to explore like, hey, what's going on? You know, I've noticed this. Let's talk about it. And Jill, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because if you if you have kids who are prone to it and maybe they are just coming on with something, but you don't want to put that in their head, right? Of like, <laughs> you know, anxiety to them. Um, Jill, when you, when you were, you know, talking with clients, you're talking with with clients, parents, what might be the first step? Like, so we're, we're having a curiosity conversation. What might be the first step that you would recommend if you, you figure out, okay, this is definitely some anxiety our kids are wrestling with. What might be a first step they would take? So I think uh, the beauty in what Tana said and Teresa, it's, externalizing a little bit by drawing awareness to the symptom within their body and then mentalizing with them an emotion they might be feeling, you know, um, and asking them and getting curious behind it. I think about also with little bitties, oftentimes they might have a special object, they might have a special toy or different things that they're attached to. And you can even use that object to explore it. With teens, I might use the texting option. I um, might send through when we're not eye to eye. I might text and just ask on a scale of one to eight, how's your how's your day going? Or I might send an emoji through and then ask a question. Um, I might come alongside that way and use a little bit of playful engagement via text in order to then maybe circle back a little bit and then we can have the conversation later face to face. The old school parent, Jill, in me like wells up to go, oh, come on, texting the kids, go talk to them, like be an adult. So why, why might you be interested in like going that route instead? Okay, so oftentimes um, a child will open up more when you are side by side and you are not face to face eye to eye. We want to gently kind of move into that position with them. If you'll notice at the end of the day, maybe as you're doing bedtime rituals and rhythms, younger, early childhood, middle childhood, when you're laying there in the room next to them and the lights have dimmed down, they're going to start talking more, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you are working on dinner together, kitchen, there's somewhere around there, they might start talking more. If you're moving on a bike, you might all of a sudden start hearing more about it. Yeah. 
Which is hard for me as a mom because I want to like drill them down. I want to like get fade. I just I just like moved real close to the screen. Y'all are listening, can't see that. But I'm like, oh, mom is hot. She's coming in kind of hot. She's on a mission. And like I'm like freaking them out. So hi, anxiety. Mom's here. Let's talk about it. Like that does not help anxiety. That's like counter opposite of what Jill's talking about. I'm creating no felt safety. I have an agenda. I'm too big. I'm too direct. Like it's, yeah. Teresa, you were going to say something. Yeah. So for teens, especially, I like to use music because a lot of the teens that I work with really love music. So for example, play me a song that kind of describes how you're feeling right now. So we listen to the song And then we can chat about some of the lyrics. So I heard in the song, they said X, Y, and Z. Like, let's chat about that. Um, Just giving them kind of, I feel like the music can kind of settle our bodies. And then that gives or leads them into a position where they're ready to talk about what's going on. And it's a good way to connect and maybe get some good musical choices that you might not know of. So Jill, you talked about a transitional object. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think I've seen you use this particular idea and it went really, really well. Mm -hmm. So can you talk through that? Well, I mean, right now, currently I have a transitional object, right? As a 43-year-old woman, I have a coffee mug next to me that is a good memory. Um, And then I also have a necklace with a symbol on it that I wear all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a transitional object. So um, for any type of child, middle age, adolescent, adult, there's different things that act as a symbol and can offer containment and ground us through a memory um, when we are experiencing anxiety. So for a child, it might be, say, anxious about going to school, Um They might, in their book bag, have a small piece of their blanket that they can revisit. revisit. Um, There's a smell to it, right? Mm -hmm. Smell of home, maybe different things that make them feel safe, a touch. Those are transitional objects. And when we're talking about that, I mean, I've heard transitional objects being used a lot of times in grief counseling and stuff like that, but you're saying these could be just for everyday, like everyday anxieties as well. Not, not having to have gone through something tragic, but like you might just want the smell of home. And so you might have like a, uh, one of our kids has had a, um, a little bracelet that you, there's a spot that would soak up some either oil or something like that. And so we would put one of those, like a drop of an essential oil on there. And then during the day, if they're getting nervous, they could just kind of hold their hands up like that and they would be able to smell it and it would help to calm their nerves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Teresa, I want to talk more about the music because that's something that I feel like, I mean, just personally for me was a huge tool in my mm-hmm. own like um, non-professional <laughs> self-therapy growing up. And so you know, for parents who might be a little bit nervous about that, like, well, I don't want them listening to stuff that's, that's too deep or whatever. What would your advice be on that? You know, those big feelings sometimes are going to elicit some, you know, some bigger, some bigger songs, right? So do you have any advice that you would give along those lines? Um, I would say don't, we'll try to not be fearful about it. You know, if we do pick a song that has some really big emotions that might be scary. Honestly, let's talk about it and kind of explore 
like, okay, I noticed the song's talking about this and I'm concerned. Can we talk about these feelings? Like, have you ever felt like this? Trying to make the conversation a really safe space because we do want them to be honest and we want our kids to share what's going on, even if it is scary to hear as a parent. I I have asked one of my young adult, older teens, we were driving, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And I said, Hey, do you want to like, show me your most listened to song of, you know, last year on Spotify yeah. or whatever. And they were like, are you sure you're ready for it? I was like, I think I can handle it, you know? And they, they listened. It was like all like, you know, down with the opposite gender of like, and, I, and they said, I bet you didn't know I was that mad right now. Did you? I was like, <laughs> I, I I wasn't quite aware of how we were currently feeling about that particular area of our <laughs> life, but that's not anxiety, but it was this right. like yeah. safe, playful little <laughs> moment for them to share something with me. So I love that idea. I think that's so good. So good. Okay. In this conversation, we're often talking about how we as the caregiver or parent, we can put our oxygen masks back on, you know, I mean, uh, we are experiencing anxiety, right? I mean, we want to, what's the eye to eye eye contact? Come talk to me right now. What's going on? Totally. I tone my body. All of it gets big. I just want to grab them, pull them in. Right. Um, I hear a musical lyrics or something and what's going on. Are you okay? You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but sometimes we just need to put our oxygen mask back on take a deep breath, practice those same skills, and mm-hmm. then we can get, we can be curious and ask why. Right. Okay, that was going to be, layers. Jill, my next question was going to be, can yeah. you give us some like crisis training for parents? Like how do we keep a game face on when those big emotions come out and big feelings come? Because we, we were kind of joking just now or being playful a little bit about it, but like there very well may be a conversation about self-harm a conversation about suicidal thoughts, a conversation about um, anything in that realm that might come up where all of a sudden you are freaking out in your spirit about this. Right. And um, do would you guys and start with Jill and then Teresa, would you guys give us just some like crisis training for how to keep a game face on when your kids are sharing these things? Hmm. So for me, it really is, um, going back to my breath, slowing it down and noticing my body. I mean, just basic foundations right there. I mean, let's slow down my breath. Let's count to four in my head, slow it down. Right. Um, Let me notice even moving my palms upside down, my nervous system from if I'm tightened, you notice your muscles tighten. If I flip my palms, my nervous system will slow down a little bit. Um, lowering myself, getting in closer proximity to my child or adolescent or um, anything that I've heard that can make me, my nervous system feel like I'm a little more in it with them and I can begin to start offering my calm. And honestly, I have um, two safe spaces where I can just text the emoji with the oxygen face on, mask face on, and they just know they need that I'm getting it out and they need to start thinking or praying for me to calm. Yeah. That's good. That's that's really helpful. And Jill or uh, Teresa, I think like 
that phrase that you'll use offering your calm. Like, mm-hmm. I think I've heard you say that before as well. Right. Like, um, and I won't say if I was or was not the recipient of that, uh, <laughs> comment, but, like, but I think that that's something that, um, that has become a phrase that's used in our, in, in our house a lot. Um, so what, what are, what are the, are there ways that Jill did not mention, or maybe, maybe a teenage specific way that you're thinking of offering your calm and how that helps? I think trying to remember the why. So why am I feeling like this? Because I'm concerned about my teen and remembering my teen is watching me right now. So if my reaction is on a thousand, they're going to see that and that's going to be sending them some kind of message that we might not want to send them. Um, I love the idea of the deep breathing maybe just visualizing a happy place in your mind because we probably can't retreat at that moment, but just picturing, okay, take some deep breaths and then get back into the conversation with our teen. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Cause this is obviously the next, you know, the follow-up that a lot of parents who might be freaking out right now would ask us is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. But something crazy was shared and I, it's way beyond my pay grade. I don't know how to handle this. And and it and it might be a big crisis. It might be a little C crisis, or it might just be something that just flat out, you're not sure how to handle and you might want to explore professional help there. Like, are, are there markers that you guys would set out to say, like, here's here's some things to consider. Obviously, every child, every family, every every adult's capability to handle these things is a little bit different, but are there some things you would give us to consider here might be moments that you might want to consider professional help in, in the therapeutic realm. When speaking about anxiety, just in general, like if we're noticing that it's really starting to interrupt our day-to-day tasks. So we have trouble going to school. We have trouble like playing on our sports teams, like everyday things that we used to do now are a big struggle for us. I would say that's a point where we should start having that conversation of, I think we should go see someone to give us some additional support. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then, I mean, I'm thinking in, the, in terms of teens, I have a fair amount of teens in my home right now, but I often think about... Um, they're asking you to take out the emotional garbage. So meaning they might not even be verbally saying it all the time, but they will come in, your nervous system takes it on and you will notice, I mean, I'll be like, I got to go take a bath. I've got to, you know, just get it all out. I will feel down in the dumps, right? But they're asking me to take out the emotional garbage. Hmm. And then a few hours later or 24 hours later, they're rebounding. Right. And I might not be fully rebounded yet, but they have. Now, I would, (laughs) if we're going on a few days, you know, um, if we're going on, if it's sticking around for three days, we, we, we need to look into it if they're not rebounding after a bit. Mm -hmm. I would, from a parent's perspective, I would say, um, like preventative support is just the best possible scenario. And so I'm thinking about just times that I know that our kids have been really ready to go to some places and touch some things and talk about some things that when we talked about it post 
like therapy and counseling, I didn't even know they were ready to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so there's something I think really beneficial about a safe space, somebody else, because both Jill and Teresa have said it sweetly. We are reactionary to our children. Like even in our best moments, even in our most conscientious, regulated, calm, thoughtful moments, there is some juju, magic, energy, nonverbal stuff going on between us and our kids all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, like, don't feel shame or that you're not doing it good enough or like whatever may be stirring up in you if you feel like you need to get some outside support. Um, I would say just if it's available to you and you can get your kid somebody else to talk to because they need it. And so, so do you, um, it's, if we can think about it as supportive as an, right. as a supportive thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It takes a village. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It takes a village. And I think there's a real beauty, um, like Tana was saying, we are reactionary to our own kids yeah. yeah, because of that co-regulation piece that's been yeah. established um, and we've worked towards when they were younger, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes our kids want to approach us about things and the need to approach us is what's causing the anxiety. Right. So like there's something going on in them and they're like, oh, I want to talk to mom or dad about that. But in that is what's the anxiety is the needing yeah. to like, break through something or share something or ask for some help. So even allowing there to be an outside person to bridge that gap can be incredibly beneficial. Well, I would, I would say too, I think one thing that I appreciate, at least in, in the two of your situation, like yeah. there are professional skills that have yes. been acquired through lots and lots of yeah. school. And so right. it's not just that there's somebody emotionally detached from our situation. It's somebody who has literally been professionally trained. I love that JD. Walk through these the situations. Truth. And so the same way, and I, and I've used this example, I mean, to my, my family now rolls their eyes at it, but like, um, cause they've heard it from us so many times, but like if one of my kids breaks their arm, I am not going to sit down with them and be like, now listen, I I can see where it should be straight. Just just hold on tight for a second. I'm gonna snap it back into place. No, we're going to a freaking doctor. <laughs> like we're gonna go Love to the that. hospital and get that thing set, right? And so if I notice now, if they fall and just skin their knee, I am medically equipped to walk them through getting a band-aid on the knee, getting some neosporin, you know, all that. Like I can, I can handle that side of it. And so I think for, if I'm thinking through myself as a, as a therapeutic parent, like there's places I can't go. I don't know where to go. I might be willing to, but I don't even know how to go that way. And so rather than me try to, you know, bandage up a broken arm, I'm going to get this kid to a professional who can help us walk through. And they're not just helping the kid either. So I think, would you guys kind of speak to the the piece of, of professional therapy that also helps parents walk through this as well? Or Teresa, I think, would you, would you kind of speak to that? Like your approach in in connecting with parents and kind of giving them tools as well as being there for the kids. Sure. So I like to talk with parents just a little bit about like their own anxieties um, and how sometimes their child's anxieties can kind of trigger parents' anxiety. Cause I, I've seen that come up quite a bit. So Mm -hmm. just giving them skills like, hey, like how about you try to do like some deep breathing, here's some videos, here's some apps just for them to kind of self-regulate themselves first um, before we start 
talking about how we're going to help their child deal with their anxiety. Um, Something else I've started giving parents is just a family like meditation. So we can all work on different ways to help our anxiety together because honestly, you know, most people have different things that make them nervous and we can all work on it. Hmm. That's usually where I like to start. Yeah. Uh, Jill. And I was even thinking the the flow of our conversation on a therapeutic basis, it really has been the brain science. We yep. talked about the brain stem, right? Breathing, movement. Then we moved up to the limbic system. And that was through music and connection beginning that way, all the way back till till really we can talk about it and cognitively express what we're anxious about, right? And so from a therapeutic level, when there's anxiety, we're thinking about building the brain from the bottom up to move through the anxiety. Okay, so that just blew my mind. <laughs> I didn't realize that we had gone through that. So when you, go, when you go through that again, just kind of like, it, you know, the same... Like summarize that for us again. Okay. And he's like, um, round two. I want to hear that one more time. I, I, I have anxiety <laughs> over summarizing. And so now yeah. Jill's like, I don't know what I just said. Not, Thanks. Not a quiz, but just maybe a summary for parents thinking like, because I do think that's a helpful guy. Like if I had that on the graphic in my pocket and I could like mm-hmm. look at it real quick and remember, oh, okay. If this isn't working, I can think here. I can think here. I think here. So, so I'll, let me give a quick thought and then maybe Jill, you can gather your thoughts real quick. You gave us an example earlier and I laughed about it because I was saying, I want to come in and like sit face to face and have a cognitive executive functioning upper brain conversation with you about why you might be nervous about that today, because that's where I'm, I'm ready to do that. But they were saying, get side by side, like co-regulate together, like reduce anxiety. And that's like lower brain work. Mm -hmm. That is a sense of being safe. So the lights are off and you're chilling or you're listening to music or you're side by side. So there's felt safety there. So how do we as parents and caregivers create felt safety in lower brain before we like get to chit chatting about the logical side of like why you shouldn't be worried about your spelling test because you're ready. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Jill, go ahead. You can reframe that. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, in my head, I was like, everyone Google Dan Siegel's hand brain model real quickly. Um, That's right. Right. Um, But I think we have our proactive and our reactive um, building the brain back, right? Uh, A lot of, a little bit what Tana was talking about is outside the moment, exploring music, being close to them, all of that. That is that proactive buildup with co-regulation. In the moment of, say, intense anxiety, if you are around your child and you see them go into fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode, you might bring lower yourself. You might lower and slow down your tone, right? You might slow your breathing down and be near them. Um, And then we might move to music or using our hands somehow through drawing, you know, different ways that way. And then maybe we can talk about what's going on after we've maybe mentalized a feeling they might have then maybe they can open up. 
That's such a good thought. And I think it's, it's hilarious how many times we've talked about like the amygdala and stress responses and, and locking down basically when you go into those stress responses. And I, I did not even catch that was how we were talking about this whole situation yeah. to begin with. But that is something that, you know, I think for parents, one of those, one of the, one of the things we need to be good at in our curiosity and our detective work is recognizing when our kid is, is entered a stress response state. Because at that point, the upper brain, the logical conversation, like Tana was talking about, inaccessible, right? Mm-hmm. Like so you can give the best lecture on earth, the best threats on earth. And you're not going to produce any kind of meaningful, um, change or support, right? Like, um, gosh, that is, that is good. Um, okay. And might be doing some harm. Yes. <laughs> not yeah. only are we not getting anywhere, but we might be taking some un- undesired steps backwards. Yeah. 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 Driving yeah. anxiety or fear. I have one more kind of topic I wanted to touch on with you guys before we head for home. Um, it, obviously, for a lot of people who struggle routinely with anxiety, um, medication becomes something that is a help or um, a great support and something that helps to um, regulate, you know, that can be a very scary topic to cross for um, adults, for kids, for people of any age who are thinking about getting on medication to help with anxiety can be very scary. Will you guys help us kind of just approach that topic of maybe from a parenting perspective first, like if you're, if you're feeling like, I don't know if we need to explore medication for our child, can you help us to destigmatize it a little bit? Um, how do you begin that conversation with the parent about looking into medication or how as a parent should you filter those conversations that you have with yourself? Therese, if you, let's, let's start with you. If I was coming to you and saying like, I don't know, I'm not sure if we need to look at medication for this child or not. Like what, what are your kind of intros into that conversation? Um, I would kind of talk about what are our concerns for not doing medication? Because there are usually, you know, there's a lot of stigma to medication um, and just kind of working through those with the parents to just see where they are. So what are our concerns? But then also kind of talking about, okay, we've been doing therapy for X amount of months and we're, we're kind of at a standstill right now. Let's discuss some of the benefits of the medication. Um, and really we're trying to get to a baseline. So once we get to that baseline, we're going to continue with therapy and hope that we can do some more work and then kind of reevaluate, okay, we've done, we've had all this progress. Do we still need medication? I always like to let parents know if we do start medication, that doesn't necessarily mean we have to stay on medication for their entire life. Yeah. Jill, about you. My one, my thought was it, it's a tipping point to start exploring if we're really, someone's really trying to use the tools and they can't seem after a certain amount of therapeutic time, it's really hard to put them in place. Um, And then I think we might explore offering that support, like Teresa said, bringing it to a baseline and it being a both and for a little while. When you say bringing it to a baseline, what, what does that mean? Um, so just trying to get to a place where we can do some work. So like Jill was mentioning, we teach these 
techniques during therapy, but are we able to implement them? If we are having a hard time implementing them, our baseline or where we want, I guess, optimal behavior is not really at a level to where we can implement these strategies. So we're not going to see that much change because we are having a really hard time still. Got it. Guys, this has been so helpful and and great. Thank you both for coming on and sharing. And maybe um, last question as we go, is there anything else related to this conversation that you feel like you want um, parents to know or that you would want um, uh, anybody to know who's listening to this? I think something interesting as um, over the course of this conversation is that space, whether it's a transitional object, whether it's music, we need to notice that it's it can be a physical transition that's going on or a season of life, an invisible transition. But oftentimes, anxiety is connected to different transitions and finding ways of honoring those spaces creating scripts proactively with your kids, adolescents. um, It's usually centered around some form of transition and we need to honor that space. Teresa, any last thoughts? Um, Yes, we've kind of mentioned this before, like we don't want to magnify the fear but at the same time, we want to make sure that we respect the fear and we make it real because, you know, it is real for who's ever experiencing anxiety. We might not see, like, we might not understand what's going on or why it's going on, but it is real. And we want to let our kids know that, you know, we're here to walk through this with you. Oh, I love that. I love That's that. great. Yes. Thank you all so much for your time today and just sharing everything. Like this has been super helpful. Um, and we will, I mean, now that you've been on once you're obligated to come on, you know, at other times, whenever we ask you to, just want you to know that. (laughs) I appreciate y'all so very much. Thank you. Thank you. So, Again, a huge thank you to Jill and Teresa for joining us today. Um, just really helpful stuff from them. And I would say just some of the practical steps and practical tools they they gave us um, uh, are just really great. I, I would say we even have implemented these <laughs> um, as early as this, this past weekend. And so um, I'm hopeful that you'll be able to do the same with that. Uh, remember, if you have interest in being a Cultivate Connection facilitator, we would love for you to apply for that um, through our website, through our social media. You can find those links there. Um, we also uh, have uh, many more episodes like this, many more deep dives coming um, on topics like this. And so if, if there's one that you want to hear more than others, please let us know um, either through social media, through the comments on this episode page, or um, you can always uh, throw out a suggestion via the feedback form we've got on our website, or you can always throw out a suggestion in the iTunes or Apple podcast rating and review 
notes down there. So uh, lots of ways to give us your feedback. We do covet it. We would love to know um, what you're thinking and what would be most helpful for you as you um, are, are out there in the trenches parenting. And so um, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the Empowered to Connect podcast. Thank you.